Welcome to Let's Talk About Life, a podcast brought to you by LifeBank, the organ, eye, and tissue recovery agency in Northeast Ohio. Donation can be a complicated subject, but it is really all about life. So spend a few minutes as we unravel the complexities of donation. So come on, let's talk about life. Is it me or did summer just whiz right by? Kids are heading back to school and in the donation world with the end of August marked the completion of Minority Donor Awareness Month. Now that we're in September and we begin to celebrate Hispanic Heritage Month and what that means to LifeBank. Now, in my opinion, it's fitting that these two awareness events happen so close together because we're able to address two underserved populations regarding the importance of organ, eye, and tissue donation. Hi, you're listening to episode 108 of Let's Talk About Life. I'm your host, Colleen Gerber, two-time kidney recipient and LifeBank staff member. For this episode, we are joined by Suzette, who personally understands the need for more registered donors from multicultural communities. In September of 2020, Suzette's husband, Gabriel Feliciano, was a donor through LifeBank. But that's only part of Gabriel's story. Hello, Suzette. Thank you for joining us and sharing your husband's story. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's our honor. Can you describe Gabriel and a little bit of what he was like? Uh, He was an amazing person. He was funny. He was a service person. He will help everybody that he met. He was a giver. Everybody loved him. Um, he He was an amazing person. And gone too soon, I'm sure. We shared that your husband was a donor, but he was also waiting for a liver transplant. When did Gabriel begin getting ill? He started getting ill about 2015, just before we made the move to Ohio. You know, he was taking care of himself. He were, we were seeing what was wrong, but it wasn't like a final until we actually moved to Ohio. When we moved here, he started working. We started getting, like, um, settled, and all of a sudden, he started getting really ill. So that was about 2016 when it was definitely, like, yeah, he needs a liver. His liver is, is really damaged. How did you both feel when you got that prognosis, when you heard that he would need to be on the waiting list for a liver transplant? Something of a weird word, so we kind of like took the diagnosis and, you know, just run run with it, take the steps to get, you know, to make everything better, take better care, get better services, um, take care of the health, and do everything we could to get him to a place where he was like, doing better. It took us a, a while. He had to go through, like, a lot of steps. As you know, transplant is not something simple. There's a lot of components that go into it, from blood work to health to um, the social um, implications of it, even the financial ones. So it took us a, a little bit to get there, but he finally was able to make the list. 
That was good news. And from what I understand, he received a couple of calls for a potential transplant, but either it wasn't a great match or the organ wasn't good enough. How did you handle that? That must have been devastating. Yes, we deal with it. Um, I think, of course, in the beginning, you are really don't know what to expect. Once you start getting the calls, then you take it uh, in stride. You, you know, you get the call, you get to the hospital, and then you sit there and wait until they tell you yes or no. Of course, the more time passes, the more you feel the need for it to be like get the liver because the health deteriorates while you wait. So it's kind of Every time it was a disappointment, it was sad. Sometimes it was really stressful. So at some point, you just have to kind of like close your eyes and trust that you're going to get what you need, the one that's for you. Unfortunately, that didn't happen for him, though. And his health declined so much. Was he removed from the transplant list? Yes, he was removed from the list. There were a lot of circumstances. COVID is not kind to people that are in recovery. It was a really hard time. So, um, yes, he was removed from the list. And then sadly he passed, but he was able to be a, a donor through LifeBank. Had Gabriel talked to you about his donation wishes and what he wanted to do about that? Actually, yes, we did. We did talk about it. Like I said, I'm kind of a planner. And when we started doing the medical power of attorney and the living wills and all the paperwork that you need when you're seriously ill, that's one of the things we talked about. And we discussed it and we both knew the need for organs in the community. The same way he was waiting for one, there's other people waiting for other organs. So, yes, we did discuss it, and, and we we both know the need. When he passed, sadly, in September of 2020, did the fact that he was able to help others in the community, did that bring you and your family any comfort? And if so, why? It did give me, like, a lot of comfort because the same way we were waiting for a liver, other families might be able to stop the waiting for an organ because of what he did, because of his sacrifice, you know, his organ donation might help somebody else stop the wait. So, um, yes, it did. So another family didn't have to experience what you just experienced. Yes, somebody else didn't have to go through what I just went through. Absolutely. As I mentioned earlier, September is Hispanic Heritage Month. And really is a celebration of the Hispanic and Latino heritage and ethnicity. But in the donation world, we use it as an opportunity to educate the community about organ, eye, and tissue donation. And we know that there are some, let's say, misconceptions out there and some hesitancy for Latinos and Hispanics to register as a donor. Why do you think that is? I think a lot of it comes from misinformation or old information. Things are, are a lot more advanced now. Things are completely different. What you can do with organ tissue and IO donation now is not the same that it was before. I think Latino community has a really hard time talking about wishes for when somebody dies. 
just in general, that's one thing that I think it needs to change. I think it needs to be like a, a conversation. At some point, somebody sitting down and talking about it at least once, you know, with everybody in the family, um, make their wishes known. Everybody needs to start a conversation. And even children need to be kind of involved so they know the process, so they learn, so you get the information that you need to make the decision. I totally agree. 100%. It needs to be, you know, discussed openly. And and we always say that even though you've made the decision to be a registered donor, you need to talk to your family because, you know, when the time comes, if you meet criteria, as you know, LifeBank works with the family members and they need to know what your wishes were. And it just makes the whole process so much easier for everybody. So having that family conversation is key. You're absolutely right. What would you like to share with your community, your circle of influence, your family, your friends, your neighbors about organ and tissue donation? I think the first thing I need people to know is the need, the need for organs, the need for tissue. There's a big need. Uh, a lot of people depend on it for life, but a lot of People depend on it, too, for quality of life. There's a lot of things that a patient can benefit from, uh, like pain-free life, even eyesight restore. There's a lot of other things. It's not only organs. Sometimes people think they're too ill to be an organ donor, but you don't know that. There's a lot of things that can be that can be useful um, and and you don't know that you need to let somebody else make the decision they should they know what's good what's not and what can help I think that's the beginning of it yeah we we say don't take yourself off the registry when it comes time if you meet criteria you know let the experts figure out what we can recover and what we can't um, because it is and things do change and especially in tissue donation. A lot of things change. What would you say is the number one myth that make people hesitant to sign up on the Ohio Donor Registry? The first, uh, I will say the misconception, I think it will be religion, that not all religions um, support organ donation. And that has changed a lot through the years. You're absolutely right. Most mainstream religions have a statement about it, and they say oh, it is an act of charity. It's an act of helping another human out, and it's, it's looked on favorably. But we encourage people to talk to their religious leader if they do have a question. The Pope has made a statement about donation, and so, like I said, the mainstream major religions all support it and see it as an act of charity. But, you know, we encourage people to talk to their specific leaders to see what their religion offers in that regard. So you're right. Is there anything else you would like our listeners to know about Gabriel or his story and circumstances? Why you want to volunteer and help share LifeBank's mission? I think when we started the process of, of getting on the transplant list, I started learning a lot about the transplant, the process, the people involved. Um, 
I have to say that when he passed, it was a, a really strong emotional, you know, moment. It was sad for me, but at the same time, I saw the way the system works. I was there. I took the call. I gave the information out. I was the one in the hospital, and I started working with Life Bank just right after that. Um, I saw the way they treat people, the respect, the caring, um, even the services, which I have taken full advantage of. Um, and I believe in the cause. I believe in what you do, and I. I can see it. I can feel it. Um, just the love, the respect. I think that that was the most important thing for me. Yeah, that's important. We really honor our donor families and our bereavement and grief services are extremely generous. And, and we have a full-time on-site grief counselor, or two of them actually, and we offer all kinds of services, as you said. In fact, we were just chatting about being at the walk and run. And that's just one huge celebration of life. And, and we really love that our donor families come out and support each other at that event. Did you have a good time at the walk and run? It was great. I met up with friends. I met up with um, you guys. I, I, it was my first. Uh, run f with LifeBank, so it was it was amazing. Um, I felt really good, really honored. Everything was beautiful, and it's the energy, the energy in the place with all the families, with the pictures. Um, it was it was an amazing day. Good, we're glad you you walked away with a positive experience. That's our goal always. Well, Suzette, I am so honored to talk with you, and I, I we we also chatted. We can't wait to meet. I want to thank you for being open and honest and sharing Gabriel's story with our listeners and making that call for people to make the donation decision and help save lives. Thank you so much. And yes, it's a really important cause. We hope you found today's episode informative and inspirational. You know, you can save lives simply by going to lifebanc.org and registering your donation decision. You can catch Let's Talk About Life on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, but you can always find it at lifebank.org. We thank you for listening and we hope you come back next time. And come on, let's talk about life. Thank you for listening to Let's Talk About Life. If you have questions about today's podcast, reach out to us at info at lifebank.org. Take a few minutes to do something heroic and register to be an organ donor by saying yes at lifebank.org. Literally, someone's life is dependent on it.